It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Coming to you from hometown America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, Bedford, Virginia. Welcome to Cop Talk. I'm Captain Robert Kimbrell. And I'm Sergeant Joe Dooley. And we thought we'd start off uh, by talking about the incident that occurred overnight in Arlington, Virginia. A massive explosion at a duplex where police were investigating reports of shots fired shook a Washington, D.C. suburb uh, Monday and destroyed the home. All officers actually escaped serious injury, but it was unclear what happened to the suspect who was inside the home when it was leveled by the explosion. Arlington County, Virginia, uh, was the police department that responded to that, and the officers actually went to the house about 4.45 p.m. after receiving reports of shots fired. They later determined the shots came from a flare gun, and while police investigated, they obtained a search warrant for the home. When police later attempted to execute the warrant, the suspect fired several rounds inside the home and the explosion occurred just before 8.30 p.m., shooting flames and debris, uh, debris into the air. And uh, the uh, spokesperson said that it was unclear whether the roads were actually, or, or the rounds actually were fired from the flare gun or from actual firearm. And police don't have any evidence that others were in the duplex, but can't rule out that possibility. Uh, a lady by the name of Carla Rodriguez of South Arlington said that she could hear the explosion more than two miles, which is 3.2 kilometers away from the, uh, from where it occurred at, uh, in the actual scene. Uh, but police of course kept those onlookers several blocks away. And, uh, she said, I actually thought a plane had exploded. And then another gentleman by the name of Bob Maines thought maybe a tree had fallen on his house where he heard the explosion. And he said, I was sitting in my living room watching the television and the whole house shook. Uh, It wasn't an earthquake kind of tremor, but the whole house shook, he said. Arlington is located across the Potomac River from Washington, D.C., and the explosion occurred in Bluemont, a neighborhood in North Arlington where many of the homes are duplexes. Fire officials do not know the cause of the explosion, said Captain Nate Heiner, uh, a spokesperson for the Arlington Fire Department. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives and the federal agents uh, and federal fire investigators were at the scene and assisting in the investigation. So it appears that uh, they did find human remains in that home, and they believe that to be of the person that uh, they actually had the the warrants on that they were uh, speaking with and trying to make contact with. So 
Now on to our normal daily discussions. So a good place to start our discussion topic for today is actually to look at the national incidents over the past week. So Sun Valley, California, a hammer-wielding man charges at LAPD officers. Video taken by a bystander actually shows a man armed with a weapon described as a hammer hatchet walking directly toward police officers and disobeying any and all attempts to de-escalate the situation by police. The police were called when the man who was described as homeless entered businesses in the area, allegedly threatening to harm the workers and damaging property. The man who was frequently seen walking the area has never been known to be violent or dangerous in the past. During the incident, officers attempted to de-escalate the situation verbally before the man started walking directly at the officers. The officers then tried three different types of less lethal control options, including multiple 12-gauge beanbag rounds, 40-millimeter impact rounds, and a taser energy weapon without any effect. The man actually appeared to be wearing several layers of heavy clothing that allowed him to walk right through the less lethal attempts. As the man reached a position within feet of the officers, uh, the officers shot uh, the man at least one time with a handgun, appearing to strike the man in the lower torso area. So our question to our listeners is, was this a justified shooting? With the information that I gave you, was this a justified shooting? Joe, what are your thoughts on this situation? <clears throat> well, it seems like everyone that um, was involved attempted numerous times to de-escalate like we've talked about in the past. Um, they deployed a variety of less lethal options. Um, I'm sure they did verbal de-escalation tactics during before and before they ever made it to that point. Um, and just because like it said that the man was never known to be violent or cause a problem doesn't mean that he didn't have the potential as we can see here. He clearly did. Um, they even got to the point where they, they attempted a, a taser and in this scenario, and you know, he's, he's got a hatchet like hammer. So it's, it's obviously, you know, it could be a hatchet. Um, I guess the point is that they did everything that they could up until the point that they had no other choice. The, um, if you're that close to be able to utilize a taser, I mean, you're depending on the probes that you're using, you know, you're between 15 and 20 feet. And that's, that's, that's a distance that we know from our training in the past that can be closed rather quickly before you can even have time to react. So I would say that it is completely justified as far as the, uh, the attempts and with no, with no success in that point. Yeah. And, and folks, Joe hasn't had the opportunity to actually see the actual video. I actually had the, the opportunity to view that video this morning. And, um, so to try, kind of give Joe an illustration as well, that the, um, it was almost like one of those roofing type tools, Joe, but it was like, they also have them that where half of it's a hatchet and it goes back into the hammerhead mm -hmm. on the other end. So that's what he had, okay. you know? And, um, He's, he's walking, you know, just walking directly towards the officers. The officers giving verbal commands. Uh, I, I specifically heard one of the officers right before the gunshot actually say, just get back, get back, you know, and right. the guy just wouldn't comply with that at all. Just kept closing that distance on the officer and actually appeared to have the hatchet. Now this was from a, what appeared to be a uh, cell cam, you know, mm -hmm. someone's cell phone of a bystander. Um, but appeared to have the hatchet at one time in his left hand, kind of up towards his body. Mm. And that that's when they were trying to give him verbal commands and do less lethal. Um, and, uh, then he actually changed it over to his right hand and actually kind of had it up 
not over his head, but kind of even with his head, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and closed on that officer to the point where he, and it was hard to tell because of course you're talking about a two dimensional video. Um, so from a, a cell phone. So it was hard for me to tell at that angle exactly how many feet there were. Uh, but I'd have to say it was definitely less than 10 feet, okay. you know, where he was, was, uh, up on that one officer that actually actually took the shot. And I don't know if more than one officer took a shot or, or that one, but, but yeah, it definitely looked justified to me as well. Uh, it appeared that the officers tried to slow the situation down. Uh, and they tried to get every type of less lethal practically that they had, you know? Um, and I'm not sure if LAPD carries, um, chemical at all. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they carry an OC spray or anything like that. Right. But that would have been the only thing that they didn't try. Um, and once again, you're talking about having to normally close the distance to a person that is wielding a hatchet, right. you know, in order to, to get that OC. So it appears that what they tried is uh, they tried range, you know, range type weapons from, from the 12 gauge less lethal and 40 mic mic. And then uh, as last resort for less lethal, tried the taser. But this guy, Joe, in the in the uh, video, he looked like the Michelin Man. I mean, like he had so much clothing on mm -hmm. uh, that even his legs were looked like he had multiple layers right. on his legs. So they were hitting him with twelve gauge super sock rounds by CTS, and uh, and and they were just like bouncing off of him, mm -hmm. and he wasn't even like affected by it at all, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and you could see them making good impacts on the upper torso area, uh, because he was armed, mm. you know, so they were shooting upper towards torso at that time. And, uh, they were just making impacts and he just kept walking. Like he did not even feel it. Yeah. You know, that, so that taser is going to be completely ineffective. Absolutely. Yep. So, <clears throat> well, I give them kudos for trying it anyway. They can, they could, you know, at least, at least at that point, nobody could say, well, they could have done this or what there's, you wouldn't think there's but, still going to always yeah. be people that say, oh, yeah. well, why didn't they do this? Or why didn't they do that? Exactly. So, all right. Well, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, will come half, you know, most of the way across the country to the East coast over here, you know, just, just over here to Tennessee area. And, and, uh, a police officer shot and killed a man who tried to rob an armored car employee in Tennessee and then charged at the officer with two knives. Uh, Murfreesboro police on Thursday released body camera footage of the shooting the day before police were called after a 44 year old man tried to rob a worker who was refilling cash in an ATM around 9 15 AM Wednesday morning. The worker pulled a gun on the suspect who then ran inside a nearby deli body camera footage shows officer Adam Claiborne opening the door of the deli and say, Hey, at the suspect who was behind the counter at the time. The suspect then turns and charges at the officer with knives in both hands above his head. Claiborne yells at the man to drop the knives before firing several times, and the suspect died at the hospital a short time later. The officer, armored car worker, and six of the employees in the deli were not injured. So once again, uh, the question I have for the listeners is, was this a justified shooting? And once again, Joe has not been able to actually see this. And I actually was able to observe this video as well, uh, this morning. So Joe, let me paint the picture a little bit for you because I, I left a couple things, uh, out in that. And so when the officer walks in, Joe, when I see the actual body cam footage, mm -hmm. uh, I, I wanted you to understand where he was positioned at the officer walks in and, and almost reminds me of like a waffle house, mm -hmm. you know, where, 
where you've got that long counter. Yeah, that long counter. So mm-hmm. the officer is actually behind that counter. So now he's between the counter and like where the grill would be kind of, you know, at the okay. Waffle House. So this guy has a direct path to him. Mm-hmm. It's not like there was an obstacle between the officer and the and the bad guy, mm-hmm. you know, or the suspect in this case. So the officer is is looking at him down that straight open path and the guy is it would be like kind of where at the Waffle House grill would be. Mm-hmm. And the officer says, "Hey, and the guy turns at him and he has two knives in his hand mm-hmm. and this starts b- both above his head like Psycho, mm-hmm. you know, like the movie Psycho comes running at the guy, at the yeah. officer. This okay. one is a lot easier than the first one because I didn't know. The first one, my thoughts were, what is his, what are the suspect's actions? Yeah. I mean, like if he has a hatchet and he just got it down by his side and he's just walking around, you know, he's not really. Yeah. And, and, and in the first one, um, he had actually, the call came from one of those businesses mm. because the guy went in there and threatened to harm mm. some of the workers and started damaging property. Well, this one here is a lot easier, mm-hmm. um, even without you giving me, but thank you for giving me the, the little more information. Sure. But right off the bat, I've already, when, I, when you were reading and I was looking through it, and um, I was like, yep, um, well, he's already attempted to uh, rob someone with a weapon, which is a, a violent felony because he's utilizing the weapon and the means. The only reason he ran off is because he was, you know, presented with a with an obstacle that was greater than the one he brought, which, you know, he brought a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, and Joe, one interesting thing about that that we should point out is that the guy at the ATM pointed the weapon because he was trying to protect himself, mm-hmm. and the guy ran away, and the guy did not shoot him. Right. You know, he's like, okay, the threat is going away. Mm-hmm. So the, the firearm person was very responsible yeah as well so then the guy goes with two knives into a deli that has six employees and we don't know at this point how many customers because it didn't say mm-hmm. i mean it, you may be able to tell if you watch the body cam the officer does his job and goes to confront the suspect to figure out what's going on to make sure that people that are in the deli are safe because there is a potential for for them to be harmed because he's already shown violent tendencies and then he turns with not one but two weapons and begins to charge at the officer in a, in a holding them in a manner that um is imminent for attack yeah so this is justified all day long yeah and, and to be honest i did not observe anybody else on the body cam mm-hmm. but the potential is there i mean you could have yeah, had the potential is there and, and they said six other employees were there but um i was so focused on the guy and his actual movements mm-hmm. that I didn't even p- really pay attention to what was on the other side of the counter um, to see if I could actually see anybody at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yet I agree 100%. So we'll move on then. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Joe, uh, you know, Philadelphia Eagle fan, right? Yeah. So I know they didn't do too well this last one, yeah, but know you know, that's okay. That's it. They still were what? 10 and three, 10 and two, 10 and two. Okay. So, one security guard, this is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. One security guard was killed and another was injured in a stabbing attack at a Macy's department store in Philadelphia on Monday morning. The incident began at about 10 a.m. when a man tried to steal hats. Hmm. Yeah, hats mm-hmm. from Macy's in Center City. Security stopped the man, and after a confrontation, the security officer backs off and gets the merchandise back and allows the mail to go on. So about 15 minutes later, the man returned to the location and attacked the two security guards with a knife. One of the security guards, a 30-year-old man, was stabbed in the neck and died at the hospital at 11, 11, 19 a.m. 
The second guard, a 23-year-old man, was stabbed in the face and arm and was hospitalized in uh, stable condition. The suspect fled from the Macy's, took public transit, and was then approached at about noon, according to Philadelphia PD. Both of the security guards were not armed. They were not armed. They were just two people working loss prevention jobs, probably making barely over minimum wage, but doing the job that they were assigned, which was to try to stop retail theft. Joe, what are your thoughts on this incident? <clears throat> well, this isn't a, so the suspect was just taken into custody. There was no. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'm, I'm mainly talking about just the overall well, fact of, of two guys, Joe. Just, well, this was premeditated. It would appear because yeah, yeah he, cause he okay, came back. You yeah. got you, you, you came in, you committed a crime, you got caught. They recovered the merchandise and they let you go. Yeah. And you had the thought process to either go and obtain a knife or you already had one present. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to, I'm going to confront it. Why? What is my thought on it? I can't think in that manner because I'm just like, hmm. What I'm trying to put myself in the frame of mind of this individual, other than just, you know, people just don't seem to to value human life anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like they don't understand the difference between things that that they see and, and reality. Yeah, and, and could you actually call this a crime of passion at that point, Joe? Because it was 15 minutes later. So this guy had 15 minutes to cool down. It would and be if he think did about, it at the time, yeah, maybe. Like but he just still- whacked out right there, you know. But but this, like I said, I, I I would find it hard to believe that a defense attorney would be able to get a crime of passion type plea. Yeah, I think your your amount of time during during the original incident and that has elapsed until the second incident would be. Yeah, in my in my opinion, which isn't worth anything because I'm not a judge, but I would say that it's it, it's really yeah, it's difficult to give you that that out. Yeah, saying okay, well, you know, they were still. It doesn't matter. It's wrong. It doesn't. doesn't I don't. That's what irritates me to no end. Well, and and, and I'm trying to keep an E rating <clears throat> here because I almost said something. No, in the mindset <laughs> of a person. To come back and try to kill two people over a hat. Yeah. Or a bunch of hats or whatever. I mean, that's just, that's what I'm saying. There's no, do you value the, the hats or whatever it is that you were deciding that you wanted? Yeah. Because that's a want, that's not a need, you know, over the, the health, safety and life of another person. Yeah, I mean, that's I- just. Any listener, well, we probably don't have any Joe on this, but it, even if any, anybody just happened to to tune in, that's listening, that that feels that they need to kill somebody over, I'll buy the yeah, I'll buy you. and I'll buy you another one okay, in case yeah. you lose that first one. Exactly. And that way you can have a backup. Exactly, you know, to stop this senseless type of killing. You know, so we'll move on, Joe. I mean, what more is there to say? I don't know. That you know, pisses me. Uh, it it does. So so New York, New York. Okay, a man killed four relatives, mm-hmm. including two children, in a knife attack at their New York City home early Sunday. Now, this is let me let me make sure everybody that's listening understands. Sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you, but you said it at the beginning. This is all just this week. This week, one week. Yep. And this is just pieces and parts that we picked out. Yep. Absolutely. You know? How many? How many? We could probably sit here all day and read about. Oh yeah. 
Non. So, so a man, he kills four relatives. This included two children and a knife tack in their New York City home early Sunday. And then he set the building on fire and stabbed two police officers before one of them fatally shot him. The rampage took place before dawn at a house in Far Rockway, or I guess it's Brockaway, mm-hmm. uh, a seaside section of Queens. Police were summoned to the home at about 5.10 a.m. when a young female caller dialed 911 and said her cousin was killing her family. When the officers pulled up to the driveway, they stopped a man leaving the area with luggage, and after just a few seconds, he drew a knife and attacked. One of the officers was stabbed in the area of his, of his neck and chest, and the other was slashed in the head before one of them shot the assailant. An 11-year-old girl was found in front of the house and taken to a hospital where she was later pronounced dead from her stab wounds. Police weren't immediately able to enter the home because of the fire that consumed the living room and foyer. But once inside, they found three more people fatally stabbed, a 12-year-old little boy, a 44-year-old woman, and a man in his 30s. So another 61-year-old woman was gravely injured in the attack. She is still in critical condition, suffering from multiple stab wounds. Both injured police officers are expected to recover. So once again, listeners, was this a justified shooting? And Joe, what are your thoughts on this? Completely. Um, He's already killed multiple people. And then he attacks the officers. He shows the propensity to continue to harm and devalue human life. Um, Just evil. Yeah. I don't know any other way to describe that. I I mean, somebody might be listening and be like, well, maybe he had, you don't know what was going on and you can't judge him. I can judge what he did. I mean, the facts are right there, right there in black and white. This is what happened. Why is it relevant that there's no reason for that? You know, if if he hadn't been shot and killed, what would have happened is he would have gone to trial and it would have been drug out and he would have probably found incompetent to stand trial and they would have put him in a facility. And if he didn't, he would have been found guilty and he would have put him in jail, you know, and people will say, well, you can't have the death penalty or you can't have. Um, and this is just my opinion here. So if you want to blast me for it, go, go for it. Um, it's just the way I feel about it. You can't have. Um, cruel and unusual punishment and i get that but what about what about the victims you're more worried about the suspects rights than nobody in this family that i know of had anything where they should have had an individual be judge jury and executioner on on multiple people are we we losing sight of that fact yeah I think so. Every too. time I hear stuff like this, I'm just it just enrages me. Just it's it's like I feel helpless, but I'm just like, oh, it I guess that's why I get it frustrates me so much. Yeah, this this brings back thoughts just knowing and hearing the story about the 11-year-old girl making the call. Yeah, that was probably her. To 911 and then yeah, ended up dying in the front yard. Uh it it does bring up the memories of a double homicide we had um back in Hampton Roads and and it was a situation where um, the person, the suspect involved in that, had a protective order mm-hmm. on him. And while I always tell people, hey, a protective order is a piece of paper. It's not going to stop a bullet or a knife from coming right through it and hurting you. Um, it was weird in this case, Joe, because he waited until the protective order expired. And this was like, I'm talking about like a year, two years later, mm-hmm. you know, um, with that 
with that preliminary and that regular protective order. Uh, he waited till it expired and then he came back and, and what, the, what the situation was is the female was, uh, his estranged, you know, wife or, or whatever. And, and, uh, yeah, uh, if I remember that correctly, it was his estranged wife actually. And, and, uh, so she had been, you know, separated from him and everything and apart from him all that time, uh, and had started dating and it sounds like a movie, but it's not, she started dating the pool boy. Okay. The pool cleaner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so she had gone to, uh, she owned a dance studio and she had gone to, she, they had a, a dance recital coming up. And so she was setting up for that. And, and the uh, pool cleaner guy, he was helping her out, you know, her, her new boyfriend was helping her out with that. And, and so they returned to the house unknowing to them, he had actually entered the home and taken three children hostage, uh, inside the house. Um, and when she and the pool guy came in there, um, he actually shot, he, he actually raised a 22 rifle on them and the pool person actually ran away. So he runs out the door and he gets shot in the back actually. And he runs out and gets into a pickup truck or a vehicle out front. And he ends up dying behind the wheel of that truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, uh, he shoots at her and then the gun jams, he tries to clear the jam and tries to shoot again, gun jams again. And so he ends up taking the, uh, the weapon like a baseball bat and, and, uh, the rifle from, and just hits her with it and uh, ends up killing her. Um, but the reason why it brings up so much memory of that incident for me is because of the three kids that were hostage called 911 and we had the entire recording, um, of, of the incident. Um, that they were hunkered down behind a couch hiding, you know, mm-hmm. while, and, and hearing all this go on. Uh, and, um, you know, we arrived and engaged a such a, uh, the a suspect leaving out of a uh, garage door and, uh, were able to take him into custody for the, the double homicide, but, uh, what turned out to be a double homicide, but, but just, you know, knowing that these kids are involved and they know what's going on and they end up calling it in is just so sad. So. You know, and and another thing that makes this incident that we just talked about so traumatic is that a fatal attack came a week. That you know, this one came a week after another knife rampage in the Bronx that took three lives. And in that incident, a college student who had been hearing voices killed his father, his five-year-old half-brother, and the little boy's mother. So one thing that I want everyone to understand is that these events all took place in just one week. And this is normal. This is not unusual. This is happening every day, every week of every year. And what is the main thing that these events all had in common? The main thing is the suspect did not use a gun. The suspect used an edge weapon of some type, whether it was a knife or a hatchet hammer, etc. And murders, many involving mass killings, where the person responsible use knives or weapons other than firearms occur almost daily in the United States. However, the national media and politicians want you to believe that getting rid of guns will stop the killing. And this is simply not true. Humans have been killing each other throughout the history of mankind. Okay. 
cavemen, for instance, did not have guns, but they killed things with, you know, they even killed each other with their bare hands, rocks, and clubs. And I've often said that many criminals have some type of mental issues. Mm-hmm. After all, an everyday person does not just wake up in the morning thinking about, you know, who can I rob today or, or you know, sit down at dinner time and think about, you know, where they can break into tonight. But what it really comes down to is that a gun, a knife, a hatchet hammer, or any other tool cannot hurt anyone when it is properly stored, maintained, and used properly for its intended purposes. But in the hands of a person who is intent on hurting or killing someone, they, you know, along with practically anything, including automobiles, can injure or kill. And we do not need object control. We need people control. And by, by that, I mean crime control. We need to address those people that are committing crimes and protect those that are not, Joe. What do you think? Yeah, that's, we've, we've said that on here before. I've said that to people before. Um, the things you mentioned, they're all tools. And it depends on your intent and, and use for those tools. Like you said, uh, hammer, hatchet, baseball bat, stick. Any of those things, you know, you can inflict damage with all of them. Knife. Yeah. yeah. It's a lethal instrument. You, you and I have talked about that on Active Shooter. Yeah. Where, where when you're, when you're the, uh, the victim, when you're one of those people and you hear gunshots, Run, you fight, look around fight. the room for to find anything gonna, you can for an improvised weapon. Yep, if you're right? going to fight, you're going to you need to pick up whatever it is you can use. Yeah, I mean, we even talk about you know using your keyboard or your monitor from your computer. Maybe yeah. back more in the day when it was a big heavy CRT rather than a flat <laughs> yeah. panel. You know, but in in a lot of these cases, the other thing that that gun control lobbyists don't want to hear, Joe, is that they don't want the truth. They don't want the truth, and they don't want to hear. That what stopped these edge weapons attacks was somebody with a gun. Mm-hmm. In a lot of these cases, yeah, you know, do you, I mean, you're going to put a ban on a hammer. You're going to you're going to put restrictions and regulations on a hammer. Yeah, and these knives that the guy held up over his head, they were like deli knives. They weren't. Yeah, they were. You know, combat fighting knives. Mm-hmm. You know, this they guy were. wasn't hawking a couple benchmades over his head. Right. You know, CQC sevens and whatnot. They they were just kitchen knives. So, Joe, this is about the time of our. Uh, podcast where we pay tribute to a fallen officer or fallen canine uh yes this week there are two individuals from the same agency uh the end of watch was on the same day sergeant michael abate and trooper alberto felix both from the nevada department of public safety the uh, nevada highway patrol end of watch was thursday november the 30th 2023 Sergeant Michael Abate and Trooper Alberto Felix were struck and killed by a drunk driver at 3.23 a.m. off Interstate 15 near D Street in Las Vegas. Sergeant Abate and Trooper Felix had stopped to check on a driver who appeared to be sleeping in his car. Uh, Another vehicle hit them and fled the scene. One officer died at the scene and the other officer was transported to UMC Trauma Hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. The subject was apprehended six hours later and was charged with two counts uh, of each charge, reckless driving resulting in death, driving under the influence resulting in death, and duty to stop at the scene of an accident involving death. A sergeant of eight had served with the Nevada um, Department of Public Safety and the Highway Patrol for almost 11 years, and Trooper Felix is a United States Air Force veteran 
and had served with the Nevada Department of Public Safety Highway Patrol for four years, and he is survived by his wife and his children. And we definitely pay tribute to the sergeant and trooper, um, and definitely pay tribute to all the fallen officers and canines who have sacrificed in the line of duty. Joe, it is December 6th. We have a BOLA wrap, and BOLA wrap, uh, it's actually called wrap, uh, I believe, reality is the name of their simulator. We're going to take a look at those. You know, we here at the Bedford Police Department, folks, what we try to do is we try to stay on top of technology and what's out there, and we try to get demonstrations uh, so we can consider every piece of technology that's available that may help our officers and help our, our community uh, stay safe, you know, and and uh, with RAP technologies and the BOLA RAP, I believe it's the 150 right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's just one of those things we wanted to take a look at, just like pepper ball and, and just like our OC spray and our tasers and everything else, you know, if, you know, we want to be able to use the least amount, if possible, the least amount of force possible um, that, that we can. And, and we want as many options as reasonable, you know, uh, that we can have so so we can bring incidents that are fast evolving uh, to a positive conclusion where nobody is hurt or killed. And that's why we, we try to bring in and host demonstrations uh, and check out everything. Joe and I traveled to Dallas to check out everything we could that was on the market or are available. Some of these things you... You don't even know about until you, uh, you know, can attend a trade show or in this case, the IACP conference, International Association Chiefs of Police conference that we attended. Uh, And we were allowed to, you know, to actually see that. It gave gave us opportunity to see all these things and network and and, uh, with with different folks and and then find out, you know, from other departments, hey, is this working for you? Is it not working for you? You know, what do you use? Uh, and that's something that we constantly do behind the scenes uh, to evaluate these kind of products uh, in, in hope that, you know, we can can use technology to keep everyone, including a suspect, safe. So I think, Joe, you're you're going to be able to stay awake long enough. I know you have to work again tonight, all night. Yep. So hopefully you'll be able to to join in on that. And and because I definitely value your opinion and your evaluation on all these things. And uh, Joe, what, what else? Do you have anything to say? Yeah, I'd like to remember or let everybody rem- rem- remind you that tomorrow, December 7th, is the uh, Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. Uh, December 7th, 1941, just after 8 a.m. Pacific time, um, or local time, I should say, in Hawaii. Um, 82 years ago, the United States was on um, a brought under a surprise attack and a malicious nature that that thrusted us directly into uh, World War II. So if there's anybody out there that you know of that's still alive and you can, you know, talk to them about it, or if it's anybody that served at Pearl Harbor during that time that you can speak with, make sure that you uh, remember them and remember all the people that we lost that day. And hopefully, Joe, I'm, I'm looking at our schedule. Hopefully, you and I will be able to do this one more time before Christmas uh, because we have the 13th, and then I'll be gone the 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Christmas comes before the 27th, which we'll be back on the 27th, hopefully, 
Woody, are we planning on being back in the studio on the 27th? That's a plan. Okay. All right. So, um, three weeks from today. Yeah. Hopefully I think next week we'll be back. Um, you're, you're in studio uh, as well, Woody, on the 13th? Yes, sir. Excellent. So, Woody, is there anything that you wanted to say to the folks before we close out? No, everybody, I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving and a good Christmas coming up. It's a good time of the year. So, yeah, just enjoy it. And thank you for listening and downloading the app and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Folks, take a little bit of time out to, uh, you know, self-care and don't get too stressed over the holidays because that's not definitely not what they're there for. Take care of each other. Take care of yourself. All right. And we are coming to you from Watts Creative Studios and Grove Street FM. And we always want you to remember we're your friends, we're your neighbors, and most of all, we are your police department, and we thank you for your support. I'm Captain Robert Kimbrell. And I'm Sergeant Joe Dool, Bedford, Peace Agents.